Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. day now. Come on! Come on! Stand with me, as you, if you would, as we open up by reading Scripture this morning. This comes from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You guys can have a seat. Does that sound great? Does that like sound like something you might need this morning? Rest. Teenagers, you guys always need rest. A light burden. How many of you guys are bringing burdens this morning that feel like they're crushing you? That feel like you just can't carry them anymore? Jesus is telling us, look, I have rest for you. I have a light burden. I will trade you straight across. I'll take your heavy load. You take my light load. Just learn from me. I think we need this so much today. All of us do in some way or another. I think we're living at a time and living in a place where we're just moving at this incredible pace, this incredible rate. We're in this series right now called Pace Yourself, and we've been We've been at this since the beginning of the year, since the new year, since January 1, 2020. We said, look, what if we started this new year out? What if we started this new decade out trying to live differently than we have in the past? What if we start out trying to live differently than the culture around us? Because the honest truth is most of us, if not all of us, are feeling weights and burdens that are crushing us. We're feeling a pace that doesn't allow us to rest when we need to rest. We are living at this unsustainable pace. It's interesting because we live at a time in our society, right, where like technology is greater than it's ever been, right? Um, Like options are more options than we've ever had, Right? We're more productive than we've ever been. It's, it's, it's an incredible time to live. It's an incredible time to be alive where we have all of this at our fingertips, and yet, at the same time, anxiety is higher than it's ever been. Depression is higher than it's ever been. Discontentment is at an all-time high. It's just so crazy how what seemingly should make our lives easier is not. And in fact, it's, it's weighing us down. There's things in life that are weighing us down even more. And we're like, we're people who are addicted to like 
speed, right? We're addicted to hurry. We love hurry. Like, let's be honest. I can prove to you we love hurry. How many of you guys intentionally, every single time, stop at a stop sign? No, you don't. If there's no cars coming, I saw a hand. I, I do. I, I admire you, and I don't believe you. But I'm just, just joking. I'm teasing you. But we do. Like, we hurry through. It's like, nobody's coming. Why stop? Right? We want everything faster. We want our food faster. We want our phones faster. We want our internet faster. We want the checkout lines at Fred Meyer faster. We want the lanes on the highway to go faster. We want uh, the results at the gym to be faster. We want people to text us back faster. We want Prime to be delivered to Alaska faster. <laughs> Amen. I'm out. Where's the bands? Right? We just, we're addicted hurry. We're addicted to speed. We're addicted to wanting everything now and wanting everything faster. The, the hurry, it never stops. The hurried life never stops. And the result is, the truth is, it's, it's killing us. Like, it takes physical tolls on our bodies. Like, we know this. It takes emotional tolls on our soul when we just go, 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 never stop, never rest. And like I say rest, we think, oh, I rest. No, we, we work hard, and what else do we do? We play hard, right? Everything is hard, hurry, going, and we don't stop, and we don't rest. And yet, it's the very thing that we need to do. And so, as I was kind of getting ready for this week, I was thinking to myself, why do we struggle so much with, with just being satisfied in life? Because I think one of the reasons we're always in a hurry is because we're always looking for the next thing to satisfy us. Maybe it's the next job promotion. Maybe it's, you know, the next toy that I can buy. Maybe it's the next, you know, relationship I can have, whatever it is. But we're always looking for that next thing to satisfy us. So we're always in a hurry to find that next thing. If you're a parent, you totally understand this. Like, right, we always want to hurry to the next stage in life. Oh, I have my baby. That's awesome. I can't wait till they can crawl. Right? Now they're crawling. Well, I can't wait till they can talk. Well, now they're talking, well, I can't wait till they can walk around, I don't have to carry them everywhere. Like, as always, can't wait for the next thing. We're always in a hurry to find more or better satisfaction in life. And I was wondering, why are we so, how do we get in this kind of hamster wheel? How do we get in this place where we're always hurrying, looking for the next thing to satisfy us? And, and to be honest, I think the truth is, is because we don't actually believe the words of Jesus. I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we know the words of Jesus, and I get there's probably some people in here that don't really know the words of Jesus, but if you do, I think oftentimes we don't believe what he says. Now, we believe some of the stuff that he says. We, when, when, when Jesus says things like, you know, you know, hey, what are the greatest commandments? Love God and love your neighbor. We're like, yeah, I get that. I believe you, Jesus. I need to work hard at loving God. I need to work hard at loving my neighbor. I'm behind you, Jesus. When Jesus says things like, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever comes, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We're like, yes, I believe what you say, Jesus. I, I, I'm going to believe in you and have eternal life. That sounds great. But Jesus teaches other things too. And I think when we hear them, we skip over them or we think, oh, that was for them at the time. It doesn't really apply to me. Or the classic one, yeah, my neighbor really needs to hear that verse, Right? So as I read these, this isn't for you, it's for the person sitting next to you, okay? But do we believe the words of Jesus? Things like this. He just, you know, he says this like in Luke. He says, then he said to them, watch out. 
Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. Wait, what? No, Jesus, that doesn't apply to me today because clearly life is all about how much can I get, how much can I have. That's where satisfaction lies. Or what about this one? Then Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Wait a second. What do you mean don't worry about my life? That's all I worry about. Right? What I'm going to eat. Yeah, I worry about what I'm going to eat. What I'm going to wear, most definitely worried about that. Like, I got to worry about my life. Like, are my kids getting a good enough education, right? Are are they going to do good in school? Are they going to get into college? Are they going to get a good career? Are they ever going to get out of my house, right? I worry about my life a lot. What do you mean, Jesus? Don't worry about my life. It's really interesting, this time in history that we get to live in. I said earlier, we have more technology than ever before, more options, or more productive than ever before. And, it, and it just like, you know, 30 years ago, it wasn't that way. Like, like 40 years ago, like the world, the technology was starting to change, but we weren't in this crazy pace that we're in today. In fact, back in the 70s, in the early 70s, Nixon, President Nixon actually predicted that we would be where we're at in this technological age. Nixon predicted that we're going to, the technology is going to be there and like we're going to have these factories like make stuff for us. Like robots and technology and computers will do the majority of the heavy lifting of our work. And and, in his predictions, he's so right in so much of what he had. He said, look, there's a time coming where like the need to go to work is going to be a lot less because it's going to be being done. It's going to be automated. But the second half, his prediction was pretty far off. He said, because of this, the American workforce will work like 20 hours a week. We'll get a show up to work. And we'll have interactions. We'll, you'll make sure the technology's still working. We'll do some commerce back and forth, company to company. You know, sellers, you know, we'll, 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 we'll deal with the buyers and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll get out and we'll go on our day and we'll have, we'll, we'll, we'll be involved in relationship like never before. We'll be able to spend more time with our families. We'll be able to spend more time doing leisure activities and the things we want because of the technology. Man, he couldn't have been further from the truth on that one. He missed the boat. But the problem is, the technology is there. We could live this way. The technology is actually there. But I love what John Mark Comer says. He's the author of a book that we're kind of reading together as a church, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Do we have any copies left? We had two copies left after first service. We threw them on the floor and made them fight for them. So it was a cool, it was a great experience. No, they're gone. So someone won. All right. Um, pick the book up. I'll, I'm telling you, this book has challenged me in a way that not many books have. And my wife and our family. And we're really making changes to this. Um, but in the book, this is what um, the author says. He says, talking about Nixon's prediction, he says, We choose money over stuff and freedom. Instead of spending money to get time, we opted for the reverse. We spend time to get money. In other words, we, we have all this technology. We went, wow, we're super productive. I can be even more productive. I, instead of leave and go spend time with my family, I can stay and make even more money. And now I can stay and make even more money. And then like in the late 80s and, and in the 90s, we went, wow, why do we only work five days a week? I could work six days a week and have even more. 
And then we said, well, I can work seven days a week and have even more. Why stop at 40 hours when I can work 50, 60 hours a week and, and get everything I've ever wanted? But we, we traded it in, and what we've ended up doing is becoming imprisoned to the pace, imprisoned to the pursuit of pleasure in our life. And it's bondage. It is not freedom whatsoever. It is imprisonment. See, the world, our culture, has taught us this counterfeit gospel. It's counterfeit to what Jesus taught. See, the word gospel, all that, all that word means is good news. Like, Jesus came to give us good news. And that good news was the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. There's a fullness of life. There's real contentment. There's, there's learning from me a life of peace, a life of rest. And then the counterfeit gospel is, is what the world offers. There's another kingdom that goes against that kingdom, and it's, it's what the world offers us, and, and, and we, we kind of believe it, and we buy into it. See, the differences are this. One says that you need nothing more to be satisfied and experience a full life now. The other one says you need just a little bit more to be satisfied and experience a full life now. See, they're off just a hair, just a twinge of difference, but the difference is immensely important. See, Jesus says, he is everything, so you have everything. What the world says, you are everything if you have everything. You see, and, and we've really started to buy into this reality, and, and we've been buying into it from the beginning. We, there's always been this pursuit of more stuff, but I think we live in a culture that's just blowing through the stop signs and we, more than we ever have before going, we just need a little bit more. In fact, it, really interestingly enough, John Rockefeller um, was asked a question one time. John Rockefeller, if you don't know who he is, was, was an oil industry tycoon. He made more money at the time than anyone else on the planet Earth. He was considered to be the richest man on Earth. And at the height of his wealth, this is crazy, at the height of his wealth, he made up 1% of the entire U.S. economy. John Rockefeller. And at the height of his wealth, he was asked by a reporter, how much more money do you need? Does anybody know what he said? Just a little bit more. Owning 1% of the entire U.S. economy, he was not satisfied. Just a little bit more. You see, this kingdom the earth offers, the kingdom of the world as the Bible talks about it, it, it it's relentless. It's insatiable. It never can be satisfied, and yet it makes you think that it can be. It says, like, look, if you get the promotion at work, you'll be happier. If you get the newer, better model, the new version coming out, you'll be happier. If you get the bigger house, you're going to be happier. If you finally take that vacation, you'll be happier. If you hook up with that guy or that girl you've always wanted to hook up with, you'll be happier. If you shoot that 70-inch bull, you'll be happier. That one I'm not sure is not true. I'm going to find out this fall. That's my goal. I'll, I'll do a little research on that, and I'll get back to you to see if it really does satisfy Right, But it's always like you just need a little bit more. I love what this author says. It's, it's so depressing and it's so true at the same time. He says it like this. Happiness is out there. It's just one PayPal click, one outfit, one gadget, one car payment, one mortgage away. Out of reach, yes, but barely. I'm almost there. I can feel it. Don't we live our lives in this state so often pursuing contentment? 
pursuing this thing that's just like, this is the last, if I just get this one thing, then I will be truly satisfied. See, this is a whole belief system. It's not just kind of the way we live, it's what we believe. It gets into our souls, and and it becomes so much more than stuff. I want you to understand this morning, this is not about stuff. This is not about, oh, you have too many toys, or you have make too much money. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with what our soul is searching for, for satisfaction. It can look like this. Do I have enough likes? Do I have enough followers? Are there enough comments on this picture? Is my car new enough? Is my spouse good looking enough? Is my passport stamped enough? Are my selfies perfect enough? Does my life look fun enough? Is my education prestigious enough? Have I surpassed my parents enough? Like, where does it stop? Where are we satisfied? And because of this, this pursuit has put us into a pace of life that we just physically can't keep up with. Emotionally, we can't keep up with. Our souls can't keep up with the pace. That's why we're talking about pace yourself. And how do we set a healthy pace in life? See, these are two kingdoms, and they're in contrast to each other. Again, do we, do we believe what Jesus says? Another thing Jesus says, he says, look, you can't ter- serve two masters. You're going to love one, you're going to hate the other. You're going to serve one, you're going to despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It can't be done. But do we really believe what he says, or do we go, ah, yeah, I see where you're going with that, Jesus, but I think I got it figured out. And again, he's not talking about you cannot have money. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say you can't have a good career. You can't, you know, get paid what you're worth in your education. He doesn't say that, but he says you can't serve the two things. Another story Jesus tells, he, he talks in parables a lot. And parables are just kind of stories that, that relay a hidden truth. And he tells this story, and, and many of you have heard this before, but maybe not all of you have, so I'm going to kind of tell it quickly, tell it, paraphrase it, but he's talking to people, and he says, look, there's this farmer who goes out, and it's, it's time to start planting. So he goes out to his field, and he starts throwing seed everywhere, starts throwing it everywhere. And some of the seed lands on the pathways, and birds come and eat it. And some of the seed lands on rocky soil, and it starts to grow, but then it has no roots, so the sun comes up and burns it out, and it dies. Some of the seed lands into these thorns, and it starts to grow really well, but the thorns grow with it, choke it out, and it dies. And then some of the seed lands on fertile ground, and it produces a crop. And everybody's like, cool story, Jesus. They have no idea what he's talking about. And even his disciples are like, why, why are we talking about farming, Jesus? They, like, they know this. Like, what does that have to do with what we've been doing? Like, I don't get it. So Jesus takes his disciples. He's like, okay, guys, let me explain this to you. The seed represents the gospel. The seed represents the good news. The seed represents the truth of the kingdom of God. And it gets thrown out everywhere, and some of it lands on hard hearts like the path. And it never takes root, never grows, and Satan comes and he snatches it away. He said some of the seed lands on rocky soil, rocky hearts, where it, it springs up really quick and people get excited about Jesus, but there's no depth there. There's no, there's no roots there. People haven't like taken their next step of faith like we talk about here a lot. And then when troubles come on earth, when life seems to happen, that plant dies out because it had no roots. And then he goes and he starts talking about the thorny soil. Do you know what he says, the thorny soil? Do you know what he likens it to? Do you know what he compares it to? Listen to this. In Mark chapter 4, and the others are the ones sown among the thorns. 
They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enters in and chokes the word, and it proves unfruitful. That literally, the desire for things will choke out the gospel in your life. The pursuit of riches, the pursuit of things will choke out the gospel in your life. Do we believe what Jesus says? Do we believe what he says? He's literally telling us that your desire for things and more things and more things to satisfy your soul is choking out the gospel in your soul. So what do we do about this? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? What do we change about our lives to to learn? Like Jesus says, come and learn from me. What do we learn from Christ? Well, I think there's a lot of things that we learn, and that's what we've been talking about through this series. We've talked about solitude and silence, getting alone with God. We talked about Sabbath last week, resting, like really resting. And today I want to give us another one, another practice that we can put into our lives, and that is this, it's simplicity. Simplicity. I believe simplicity is the road that must be paved for us to reach the life of fullness and satisfaction that Jesus has offered us. Living this life of simplicity. So what is simplicity? The world, I mean, this is like becoming very popular. This is something that Christian world, non-Christian world, they're all seeing going, we need more of this because we are not doing well as a society. They may call it things like minimalism and stuff like that, but it's this idea of simplicity. So what is it? Well, first I want to talk about what it is not. It is not having nothing. It is not living with nothing. All right, it's not moving to the, a cabin in the backwoods of Alaska with no electricity, no running water, no plumbing. Right? It's not a bondage of not being able to enjoy material things. It, it's not imprisonment. It's freedom, actually. But it's not living with nothing. The other thing it is not, and I want to be really clear because there actually have been books and stuff that have been written that kind of glamorize this, but it's not poverty. It's not living in poverty either. In fact, Jesus tells us that as Christians, we're supposed to help people out of poverty. It's not about poverty. It's not about having nothing. Simplicity is not about having nothing. It's about having less. Simplicity is about having less about having control over the things that we go after. And can we be honest for a minute? Less, that word less, we don't really like that word less, do we? I'm working hard, I'm going to my job, I'm putting the hours in so I can have less. I'm working to build up my nest egg so I can give less to my kids. Right, I want less in life. We don't like that word less. It doesn't sit right with us, especially in our culture. We are a culture of more, bigger, better, faster, stronger. I mean, come on, we live in Alaska, right? Texas ain't got nothing on us, right? We love to rub that into them all the time. We, we got more up here. You guys are cute down there, right? Like, we're just like, it's just a culture of more, bigger, better, more. But what if, what if we had less in our life. Again, it's not about nothing. It is just about less. Simplicity is is this. It's I need more versus I have enough. I need more versus I, I have enough. 
You see, it's, it's not about like you can't own anything that you enjoy. You can't have, you know, that fishing boat or you can't have that thing that you just, that you feel like you need. But what it is is going, let's, let's look at it for what it is. Do I really need to have everything that I have? Do I really need another pair of clothes? Do I need another pair of shoes? Do I need another hunting outfit? Right, I'm stepping on toes. I get it. But it's going, don't, don't I have enough? Can I use what I have until it's like unusable anymore and then replace it? Right? Can, I, can I get rid of some stuff that I have that I really don't need anymore? You see, Jesus didn't command us to like not have any money. We kind of think that's what he commanded us. See, but this is a soul issue because if everything was stripped away from you tomorrow and you literally woke up with nothing, with absolutely nothing, the desire for more would still be in your soul. And you would not find contentment as you continue to, as you started all over again to pursue more in your life. But learning how to be satisfied with less, understanding that abundance is not found in stuff, but it's knowing the living God. Understanding that abundance is not found in stuff, but abundance is found in knowing the living God. See, the reason I believe that we're on the hamster wheel of hurry is because we're always reaching out for the next thing we think that will satisfy our souls. Joshua Becker, he's a, he's a writer, he's a pastor. He uh, talks about simplicity in this way. The intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from them. What do you most value? Be intentional about that. Go after that. Man, family, relationships, community, our church community, right? That we are, that these are the things we value, discipleship, the kingdom of God, that these are the things we pursue. Now, can I like own something and, and pursue those at the same time? Can I own, you know, a fishing boat and pursue relationships and family and community at the same time? Yeah, of course I can. But I need to understand that my satisfaction in life and, and the pursuit of what I have has nothing to do with that boat, but it has everything to do with relationship. And can I be satisfied without that fishing boat? If I can't be satisfied without it, I'll never be satisfied with it. You see, it is, it's not just about stuff. It's not just about simplicity. It's not just about spring cleaning, right? Oh, get rid of all this stuff that I don't use, you know, in the last 15 years and take it down to goodwill. No, it's, it's so much more than that. It's being able to put limits on what we even allow ourselves to pursue, living with less. So if, if simplicity is, is the road that we got to pave, if, if being content of saying, I don't need anymore, I can be satisfied with what I have is where it is the road we must go down. Where do we start? What are some practical things? I want to give you some practical ideas that you could leave with today and start today in applying to your life, in going down the road, the process of simplicity. Because I need you to hear this word, process. Simplicity is not easy. You don't just turn it on when you go home. Well, we're going to be more simplistic today. Get rid of all this stuff, and um, now we're simple. No, it's, it's a process of getting it into our soul. Because the truth is, we've been buying the lie that you need just a little bit more so long and we've ingested it so deeply into our souls that the idea of pursuing less makes us sick to our stomachs, doesn't it? The, pers- the idea of like, oh, no, I'm going to say no to some of these desires kind of makes us sick to my stomach. I know it makes me sick to mine. It is not an easy thing to do. But here's some practical tips that we can start to go down. 
The first one is this. Never impulsive buy. Man, he had to say that, didn't he? Never impulsive. I am terrible at this. For me to never impulsive buy, I am done going to Costco. <laughs> right? Because they always got something new out on the floor that I'm like, I didn't even think about that, but that is exactly what I need. Never impulsive buy. Don't feed that desire. Don't feed that hunger. Don't feed that insatiable thirst in you that just, you just need that. You'll be happy today if you do. You'll be happy today if you do. Deny that thing inside of all of us. Number two, when you do buy, opt for fewer but better things. When you do buy, opt for fewer but better. We have this thing in our culture that we just love cheap, don't we? We want cheap. Give it to me quick. Give it to me fast. Give it to me cheap. If I need to buy 10 of them, I'll buy 10 of them, right? But what if we opted for fewer things in our lives, but, but maybe better? And you're like, well, Josh, I can't afford better. I understand. It, it, better is typically expensive, right? Locally made, typically more expensive. Handmade, more expensive. Ikea, cheap, right? But we need to understand that maybe I need to do this thing where I, I don't buy it and I don't know if you've heard this. This is this new, uh, I think maybe an app for it, but you, you take your money and you save it for one month and then save it for another month and then you save, and then what, it, what, what happens is then you have enough money to buy it. It's crazy. They used to do it in the 50s, but we don't do it anymore. <laughs> Look it up. We wait. We, we deny ourselves that impulse buy. We go, okay, I'm going to save for this. And maybe like better is like I really could never afford better, but I could afford used. I could afford refurbished, right? Where we, where we, when we do buy, again, it's not about never buying, but it's when we do buy, we buy fewer, better things. Um, I love this one. Get in the habit of giving things away. If you're done with something and it's still got value, give it away. This is something that my wife has done our entire marriage. She got it from her mother. I, I love this. She has instilled this in me, instilled it in our kids, that we give things away. And yeah, I'm not saying never, ever sell anything. Like, yeah, there's things that you get a different vehicle and you have your other one, you need to sell it. I get that. But if you could, I would challenge you to give it away. But I'm always laughing at, like, when I look at, like, Facebook Marketplace and there's, like, a pair of pants for $2, you know, a winter coat for 3 you know, I'm like... You, you couldn't give that away? And it's like, well, no, I needed that $5. Well, I'm like, and my thought is, and what, this is how we, honestly, my wife and I have tried to live our lives, like, maybe I need to change some things in my life so I didn't need the $5, so I could give it away. But give things away. And, and, and what's, what's amazing is, when we look at Jesus and we look at his teachings, when he starts talking about money, he doesn't command a lot. He really doesn't. When Jesus starts talking about money, he, he starts saying things like, you can't serve both God and money, right? He doesn't say, I command you, do not serve money. He's just saying, look, if you want to serve God, you can't serve the two of them at the same time. He's relaying to us a truth about our reality, the fabric of our reality that God designed that it is impossible to serve both God and money. Jesus says, look, pursuing stuff chokes out the good news in your soul. He doesn't say, look, you cannot pursue stuff. He just says, look, if you do, this is the consequence of that. He doesn't say, don't be rich, but he gives a warning. He says, look, if you are rich, it is more difficult for you to enter the kingdom of God. 
It's not impossible. He doesn't say don't be rich. He just says, look, if, you're, if you are rich, it is more difficult for you. He's relaying the truth of the reality that we live in. See, Jesus, he had a lot of wealthy friends. And you might be thinking, well, Jesus told that one rich young ruler to sell all his possessions and give to the poor. Yeah, he did. He was talking to the rich young ruler. He wasn't talking to you. He wasn't talking to me. He had a principle of what he was trying to teach that rich young ruler, that his, his, his salvation is not in his possessions. And maybe that's a concept we need to understand. But Jesus had a lot of wealthy friends, and he didn't tell them all to sell everything they had. In fact, this is a, 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 um, a misunderstanding of Jesus. Jesus was not poor. Jesus did not live in poverty. In fact, before he was a rabbi, he had a living wage, which would have made him around middle class. When he started his ministry, he had very wealthy people funding his ministry. In fact, his clothes, John goes out of his way to describe how lit Jesus' clothes were. It was seamless. That would have been very expensive. And the Roman guards, they, 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 they gamble for Jesus' clothes when he's on the cross. See, it's, again, it is not about nothing. But what does Jesus tell us? He says, look, these things are not going to satisfy you. And so learn how to live in a simple, simple way. Another thing that, that you can do practically is live on a budget. We talk about this a lot at church. Having a simple life is not about not being wise with our finances. We need to be wise with our finances. Scripture is very clear to be wise with our finances. If you're not wise with your finances, you can't be generous. And if you're not generous, you're not gaining that blessing that comes along with that. Again, do we believe what Jesus says? Do we believe what Scripture says? When it says it's more blessed to give than to receive, that he who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. This is what Scripture tells us. And so learn to live on a budget so you can be generous. And you, I, I'm telling you, you cannot be wise with your money if you're not living on a budget. And if you need help living on a budget, if you've never done that, you don't know how to do it, we offer classes here at ACF. I want to encourage you to plug into one of those. This last one, another step that we can do in our lives, is learn to enjoy things without owning them. Learn to enjoy things without owning them. Can you enjoy something that you don't own? Can you, are you the type of person that can go to your friend's house, your friend calls you up, and they're like, hey, just brought a brand new fishing boat. Come check it out. It's going to be awesome. We should go fishing this weekend. And you're like, awesome. You go to your friend's house, then you go fishing, have a great time, and then you're home on Marketplace. Fishing boat, got to have one. Need one right now. That was awesome. I need to own one. Can, or are you the type of person that goes, that was awesome. I'm so blessed that they blessed me in that way. Maybe I can enjoy that again. I think of like books. Why do we have to own every book that we read? They have this thing. It's called a library. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's pretty cool. I experienced it the other day. Like they let you take the books home and, and, and read them. And in fact, they actually got rid of late fees. Did you hear this? I don't know why anyone's ever going to bring a book back now, but saved $50 a year out of my budget. I'll tell you that much. Saving money. Right. Can we enjoy things without owning them? Here's the truth I want us to understand this morning. Satisfaction. A full life that Jesus talks about. It is available to you right now where you sit, no matter what your circumstances are. You can leave this room experiencing a full life and a full life that will not leave you the moment you get home. The moment that something comes in your life that you weren't expecting. 
true contentment in life. But contentment is difficult, I'll tell you that much. It is difficult, it takes work. There's a verse in scripture that, it's a pretty popular verse and it gets quoted a lot. Quoted a lot, I hear it all the time. I hear it when, you know, maybe at a basketball game, someone drains a three at the buzzer to win the game. Maybe at a football game, someone makes a touchdown as time expires and they put a microphone in their face. How do you feel? And they, they quote this one particular Bible verse. You know, I see it maybe on guys' shirts at the gym when they're working out or like on Instagram, hashtag, and they'll quote that Bible verse. Students tell themselves it before finals, especially when they haven't studied for them. Anybody know what that verse is? What is it? Come on, say it. You guys know it. Philippians. What does that verse say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because that's what Paul was talking about. You know what Paul was talking about? Listen to this. He's writing to a church who's been supporting him financially. And he's thanking them for what they've done. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 4, starting in verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is literally talking about contentment. I need Christ's strength to be content in this world. And with it, I've learned how to be content when I have much. And it's okay to have much if I'm content with that. I've learned how to be content when I've had little. It's okay to have little if I can be content with that. And how am I content? It is through Christ who has strengthened me to be content. It is in Christ that I am content because what I have and what I do not have does not have anything to do with my contentment. I want to challenge you guys today. We have these action cards on your seats to really grab these and fill one out and you can read through them but these are some ways going this week. I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to say yes to Jesus and find true contentment in my heart. Maybe you've never done that before. I'm going to ask someone that knows me best what do I have too much of? That'd be a fun conversation. I'm going to give something of value away this week. Or maybe, maybe I'm going to go a whole week without spending money. And yeah, maybe there's some absolute necessities that are on that list. That's fine. But other than that, I'm not spending any money. We can be people that are content in this world. And that just looks different Right? That looks different than the rest of the world around us. And that will speak volumes to our community. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are everything we need. God, you are everything. You are fullness. You are true contentment. You told us that you came to give us life and give it to us to the full. Give it to us abundantly. Give us everything that we need. God, I pray that we would truly learn how to live that out that you would be our strength, God, because the, the truth is we can't do it on our own. I can't be content on my own. I can't even pursue you on my own strength. I need your strength to pursue you, Jesus. But God, you so freely and so willingly hand it out, give it out to us, God. Lord, I just pray that we would have an open heart to receive that, 
God, and a determined heart to live a life of simplicity. Learning to live with less. God, forgive us for our insatiable pursuit of more and more, thinking that we could serve both you and our possessions, thinking that it will be the true satisfaction of our life. Forgive us of that, God. God, and lead us to a place of real, true satisfaction in you. In your name we pray, amen.